Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. I'm your host, Acacia Courtney. I'm going to be talking a little bit about the upcoming Keeneland January sale today, which is kicking off shortly and excited to kind of hear some great stories and talk to some wonderful guests this afternoon. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be back doing the podcast here and really looking forward to some of the upcoming guests that I have lined up over the next few weeks. Um, It's going to be really fun as we are right in the midst of the craziness of the winter racing scene. I'm working currently at Gulfstream Park for the winter um, as one of their simulcast hosts and paddock reporter on air talent there um of course pegasus world cup coming up in just a couple of weeks as well which is going to be fun planning a wedding lots of things going on hope that you are staying safe and happy and healthy wherever you are and if you are participating in the keeneland january sale wishing you all the best we also have an exciting partnership that we want to share as well and say a big thank you here on the whole uh, in the me- in the money media umbrella to the Adelphi Racing Team. The Adelphi Racing Club is a racing club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie of being a part of something bigger than themselves. It's truly a community, which is such an amazing concept. Adelphi's founding partners have all owned horses in other partnerships and syndicates as well as on their own. And the overarching goal with Adelphi is to blend the benefits of solo ownership without the administrative hassle with the thrill of the partnership experience. Adelphi offers an interactive ownership experience with real-time access to other partners, trainers, bloodstock advisors, and other members of the team. Adelphi partners receive frequent multimedia content on their horses, including videos, photos, and partner-only podcast content provided by the In The Money Media team. That sounds familiar. As well as a premium on-track, off-track hospitality experiences. Adelphi has an exciting class of yearling prospects by horses such as Street Sense, Lauban, Frosted, and Taprit, and will be launching a brand new claiming and private purchase partnership in January. You'll definitely want to join the club. All the ways to get in touch with Adelphi Racing, you can go to the website adelphiracing.com. Email Matt at AdelphiRacing.com. Social media, check out Instagram at Adelphi underscore racing and Twitter, Adelphi Club. Such great people, so much fun. Love the concept. Hope that you check them out. And with that, it's time to get into our first guest here on the In the Ring Pedigree Podcast. So happy to welcome in trainer Brittany Russell, who's going to join me today to talk about a horse that's been very special to her and is selling in the Keeneland January sale. But first of all, Brittany, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm really excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Uh, So Hello Beautiful, the Maryland bred, entered in the Keeneland January sale. I know that she really has meant a lot to you as far as really kind of putting you on the map in those big stakes. Tell me a little bit about just what she means to you and and what she did for you as a trainer. Oh, yeah, we we owe so much to this filly. Um, You know, it it, it started with us picking her out um, over at Timonium at the December sale and, you know, we picked her up for, you know, six grand. It was, you know, it seemed like, (laughs) you know, nothing. And, and for her to turn out to be what she was, um, was pretty incredible. I mean, you know, she, she's the best horse, you know, yes, she didn't win a graded stake, but, um, you can't take anything away from her. She did so much in her career. She was a champion in Maryland and, 
um, you know, just so much fun for us, you know, our family and, and our whole team, you know, everybody in the barn, she's been special to everyone. What was it about her at the start, as you mentioned, for 6,500 um, at, at a December sale? What was it that, that caught your eye as you were listed as the buyer as well? And, and it is kind of taking a risk when you put your name buying a horse. Um, you know, it's sort of hard to describe. Uh, you know, there was something about her. She, she, you know, she has classy. She's beautiful. Uh, you know, she, she had a very smart look to her back then. Um, mm -hmm. You didn't really know much about gold lot at the time. Um, you know, but she just, we, we were really just looking for a horse to have some fun with, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, we had a, we had a little bit of money to spend and Sheldon and I just wanted to, uh, you know, have something in the barn that we owned and she, she caught my eye and, you know, really I thought six grand was a great price for her. I, mm -hmm. I actually thought she might be a little bit uh, higher than that. Uh, just based off of her, you know, she, she was a pretty physical, like her, you know, uh, a yearling and um, she just again like she just had an air about her she just had class and you could just tell and then you were able, to, you were able really to really kind of take really her on quite a journey as well uh, with the likes of Saul Cumans Madikit Stables Magic City Stables um, you know getting involved what was that like to being able to train for a group of owners and and people that are big in the game too well, it was so cool because after she broke her maiden, uh, you know, there, there was some interest as far as, you know, potential mm -hmm. buyers. And I was lucky that, uh, you know, I have a good relationship with Liz Crow and I, I called her for some advice and she said, wait a sec, you know, that this looks like a type of horse that, uh, you know, some of our clients would would like to get involved in. And it was just sort of a perfect situation for me because I had a few horses for them already, mm -hmm. but you know, for her, for them to buy into her and me be able to keep her, you know, that, that was perfect. And, uh, you know, they, she, as much fun as we had with her, the group had a lot of fun and, you know, everybody just loved her and it's just, it, it worked out so good. She was 10 for 20 in her career, 587,000 plus in earnings, um, super consistent. I remember I actually got to interview you after she won the Maryland Million Lassie um, right at the beginning of her career. Did you ever think that, that she would take you on the journey that she did? Uh, you know, no, no, because you, you know how hard this game is. You know yeah. how hard it is to win, you know, to win races, let alone good races and to keep a horse at the top of their, you know, game for as long as she did. So back then, no. And to be honest with you, it gives me chills. I get a little choked up thinking about it because I do remember that day you interviewed me. And, uh, you know, just to just to look at what she did since then, you know, she gave me my first stakes winner and. Um, you know, that was such a big day. And, and it's amazing that, you know, she, she continued to run on, you know, through her career, uh, you know, since that. You have now quite a few horses in your barn. You've had so much success um, as a trainer, and, and it's been so awesome to follow, too. What do you think it is maybe about her or, or the horses that you found in general that have that success? Is there kind of a physical trait, maybe it's a mental trait. Are there certain things that you can kind of put your finger on a little bit being a horsewoman and working with these animals? Yeah, I mean, um, look, I'm lucky to get a lot of horses in the barn that are just talented uh, individuals, you know, from from different people. And uh, the, the horses that like Hello Beautiful that I picked out myself, maybe, um, you know, it's just, you know, you, you just have a type and like when you see them you just know and mm -hmm. yes I would say a lot of it is a mental for me it's, it's a lot of it's mental because they have to 
they have to have it between, you know, between the ears. They have to want to do it and they have to have a good mind. And, um, you know, Hello Hot Rod is, is Hello Beautiful's brother. That's another horse that, you know, we just picked up really because Hello Beautiful was, you know, she was doing so well at the time. And, uh, it, you know, he, he was the same type. Like, they're just smart horses. And, and you know what? If they have ability, at least, you know, they want to do it and they can do it. They can handle it mentally. And that was such a perfect segue, too, because I was going to ask you about the fact that Hello Hot Rod's been successful as well. Um, how cool has that been and seeing the family really develop so much? Oh, it was so cool, you know, and it's, it's you know, seeing that the mother, you know, she, she went through the ring uh, in the same sale that Hello Beautiful did. Um, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I know she had a whole sister and I'm not sure what the current situation is with that, where she's mm-hmm. Polar horses, but it's exciting to see what you know what the rest of them will do, and also too, you know, with the mother being a producer, I think it makes Hello Beautiful look look good as well. Like hopefully she um, can carry that on, and you know she'll 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 produce some racehorses. I'm sure it's bittersweet for you seeing her go through the sale this week, but but how exciting is it as well to see her kind of represent your stable? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it, it was it was sort of devastating when we put her on the van. We, we were all pretty upset. But um, look, she's going to have a great life. She's, I, you know, she, she's going to go and, um, you know, she, she's she's going to be she's going to be great. And, um, you know, just to just to see her at Keeneland and the interest that, you know, hopefully she'll bring. And um, it, it's, it's good. It's a big deal. And, um, you know, we wish her the best. And, you know, everyone always says you hope you can train their babies one day but I, I surely hope I hope surely hope that I have some of those come in my barn oh <laughs> um, so cool uh and she's a Maryland bred too and obviously you're based in Maryland um was was that kind of a piece of it as well and wanting to kind of invest in the Maryland breads and have those opportunities and and be able to kind of raise some some of those horses within that breeding program 100%. And, you know, you see, you know, she with the Maryland million um, mm-hmm. and things like that, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal on those days for us, you know, we, we, um, you know, we're trying to grow our business in, in the state and, you know, better, better the stock and the quality and, um, you know, to pick up horses like her that, you know, end up being, you know, superstars is, is just, you know, what you hope and dream for. So, um, you know, hopefully we can keep it going. It's going to be sad not to have her in that first mm-hmm. stall because, you know, she's she's the horse that if you're having a bad month, you you know, she she goes, gets in the entries and, and you know that she's going to run <laughs> run a big race and try really hard. And, you know, she wins and she just picks everybody up. And so, you know, it's going to be sad not to have that. But, um, you know, hopefully on the you know, bigger and better. And we thank her for helping us get where we are mm-hmm. so far. I know that she's been special and and how much do you think that she's really played a piece in in bringing some attention to your stable as well? I know you had your first grade at stakes win this year, uh, your family growing and and being able to kind of have that as well. Do you think that she really played a big piece of that and bringing that spotlight in? For sure. Yeah, because people notice when you win stakes, (laughs) they notice when you win those races and they notice when you have a horse like her that uh you know continues to run well and you know again stays at the top of their game for for the amount of time she did so um yeah and you know she she had a big fan base if, if anything it was just you know people that just loved watching her and loved her as an individual you know just just the text afterwards saying you know mm-hmm. congratulations when she would win and things you know it just it was nice that she 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 had people uh noticing 
Well, as we always say, people think about the last win. You mentioned there's going to be an empty stall. And I know with Horsemen, you got to fill it. That's just part of it as well. So tell me a little bit, maybe a game plan for your stable this year. Will you be active at the sales again? And I, I know you, that you claim some horses as well. Uh, yeah, for sure. We, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, we've we're active buying yearlings, um, you know, hopefully upcoming two-year-olds. And um, I have, a, you know, again, a, all my clients are very supportive. And um, actually, Sheldon and I bought a broodmare that has a, uh, a yearling this year, a Maryland bred on the ground. So, you know, that's a oh. new kind of venture for us. Hopefully that uh, we can have some fun and dabbling with the breeding in Maryland. And, um, but we, you know, we have some horses coming up that we're excited about and, you know, hopefully somebody can step up and look, she'll never be replaced for us. Uh, no matter how good the horse is, she was just a different kind of special for us. But um, we look forward to what we have coming up. It's always exciting to see kind of, as you said, the next chapter. And, and uh, I like to, to hear you're getting into the breeding industry as well. And I, I think um, it's not easy either it feels very kind of like, oh, it's, it'd be so much fun to have a broodmare and to have that opportunity. And it truly is. But tell me a little bit about some of the challenges of kind of picking out the mating and, and where do you keep that horse? And what are your opportunities once you have a foal and all of those kinds of things? Well, I'm very, we're very fortunate that we have um, a local, uh, a local friend, I would say in Katie Voss, we're, we're right here in Ellicott yeah. City in Maryland. So she um, is not, her chance land farm is not far from us. So uh, we, we use Katie and she's helped us with, you know, potential matings. And, um, you know, we picked the broodmare out because we, we had a, uh, a, a foal out of her mm -hmm. and uh, we liked him quite a bit and then he got injured. So <laughs> we, uh, we just picked her up and she was in full to Mosler and, you know, we're just hoping to have some fun and it's, it's a, it's a waiting game. It's, you know, it takes a lot of time, but um, you know, look for our family. Hopefully it's something just to look forward to, um, you know, hopefully the horses make it to the races and we can have some fun with them. How rewarding is it too to see the the product of all of that and see step by step because obviously there's so many checkpoints along the way as well and and know that you played a little piece of that. Yeah, it's it's huge and you know just to you know just to go out to the farm and see them like when they're born and then you know obviously we're really busy so it's usually a few months before <laughs> we can get back out there but just to see them grow and just develop and come along um, it, it's cool and look we have two small children so you know, hopefully this will be something that they can enjoy um, as they grow up too, that, you know, here's your horse, <laughs> here, here, here's your horse, here's your, here's our investment. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it's, it's fun for everyone. Have, I know your daughter's a little bit older. Um, has she shown interest in, in horses yet? Is, I know it's obviously a huge part of her life with both parents in the industry, but, but has she shown some excitement in it? Yes, she has. She has a little pony um, and she loves riding the pony. We don't get to see her very often, especially right now when it's so cold, but she knows Sheldon's a jockey. She looks at, uh, we have a wind picture of Wonder Where Craig is actually in our front room and uh, she she often reminds us that Sheldon rode Craig. <laughs> she, said, she said her daddy's a jockey. So it, it's cool. She, she does show an interest. She likes going to the races. She enjoys coming to the barn. Um, so, you know, it is it is a family affair. It makes it even mm. more special. Well, Brittany, wishing you all the best uh, with the new investments, the new horses coming up, and uh, good luck to Hello Beautiful in the sale coming up this week, too. It was, it was really fun having you on. Thank you very much. Take care.
So happy to welcome in to the In The Ring podcast, a very special friend and our first repeat guest on the podcast, which is fitting because he was actually my first guest on this show uh, to talk a little bit about the Keeneland January sale. Kurt Becker joining me here today, man of many talents and uh, now in the, the role of getting ready for the sale as an announcer and part of the sales team. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me today. Acacius, good to be back with you once again. Yeah, looking forward to chatting with you uh, as well. It was so fun getting a chance to pick your brain. And, and as anybody who's met you knows, you are such a wealth of information. First of all, I have to ask you, uh, how is the weather there in Kentucky? I know there was a lot of snow over the last week. <laughs> they did. They, I think uh, I had folks tell me when I got to town that... Uh, that they had as, as much as 10 inches of snow here a few days ago. So, so that did push everything back by one day. Uh, for example, the, the sale was originally scheduled to start on Monday, January 10. That's been delayed to Tuesday, January 11th. And, and really it was just uh, mainly because of shipping concerns, mm -hmm. wanted to give everyone a, a chance to get their horses here in a, in a safe manner without being rushed or hurried. So everything's good. So it'll be a Tuesday through Friday sale and we're, we're looking forward to it. And how have uh, everybody shipped in? Have you gotten a chance to kind of walk the grounds a bit and, and see as it, I know this is a sale, a lot of horsemen point to, you have a variety of different types of horses offered this week. And that is true. And uh, I think there's a lot of interest because the the market, when we last mm -hmm. gathered here in November for the breeding stock sale, the market was very strong. Uh, I think maybe that caught some folks by surprise. And, and as a result, we've ended up with a lot of horses in, in the supplemental catalog. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the entries for the main catalog actually closed uh, prior to the September yearling sale. So uh, what happened was you ended up with a lot of folks looking at the market here in November and saying, hey, I would like to uh, to consign a horse belatedly to the January sale. So we were happy to accommodate, put the supplement together. And, and you're right, there's a good variety. You've got the so-called short yearlings. Uh, of course, as everyone knows, every thoroughbred's birthday is January 1. So you've mm -hmm. got a lot of a lot of babies that were weanlings just a couple of weeks ago that are now considered yearlings and a lot of broodmares, broodmare prospects, uh, a lot of fillies that are still active on the racetrack, a lot of fillies that are coming off good performances in allowance company, stakes company. It, it should be a, a fun week. Uh, on this episode as well, got a chance to, to speak to trainer Brittany Russell, who's Hello Beautiful, uh, one of those Maryland bred stakes winners that's been added. There's also grade one winner Math Wizard included as well. How exciting is it for you all when you get a chance to see them, some of these late additions with horses that, that we've grown accustomed to loving and following on the racetrack just recently? That, that is always a lot of fun. And uh, in particular, I, I know for myself, I enjoy, uh, as much as anything, seeing what happens after the horse leaves the ring and, 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 and what transpires down the line. I'll give you a good example of that. When, when we were here a year ago, uh, there was a, a mayor by the name of Regal Glory that had mm -hmm. been consigned, uh, part of the Paul Pompa estate. And uh, we were grateful to have a chance to, to sell those horses. And, and of course, Regal Glory uh, went through the ring here in January and changed hands for a little over $900,000 and then wrapped up her campaign with a grade one win in the matriarch out at Del Mar in November. And, and that's, that's always a lot of fun. You know, and that's the thing, if you're a racing fan, I've, I was just having a conversation today with our head auctioneer, Ryan Mahan, 
And he and I were talking about exactly what you touched on. When, when you're a racing fan and you see a Regal Glory a year ago or you see a Math Wizard this year, you can't help but get excited because at heart we're all racing fans. And it's just mm -hmm. it's a pleasure to sit on the stand and see those horses come through the ring. You mentioned the market and kind of what we've seen over the past year. And obviously with COVID, I think that there was so much uncertainty as to how that was going to affect the horse sales. And, and it was affecting them at the start, but we've seen such strength in the sales the last year, and um, especially at the September and November sales. What have been some of the kind of things that you have noticed as far as uh, wanting to be active at these particular sales that Keeneland offers and just the strength of it overall? I, I think that uh, one of the one of the big advantages right now is the fact that even though there are still challenges with regard to to COVID and the Omicron variant and so on, I, I think on the positive side, travel is certainly not as restricted as it was say a year ago for this sale or, or early in 2021. That helps quite a bit from a market perspective. And I think also what happens Acacia is uh, be, during the, from the outset of COVID in early 2020, until we got to the stage where the vaccinations became available, there were so many folks that understandably kind of went to the sidelines and sat on their capital for a while and said, you know, I'm not sure where this is all headed. And they, they were reluctant to invest. Well, now that, that we're starting to emerge from that situation, now that the vaccines are in place, I think people have more confidence about the health situation. They've got more confidence about the economy and more confidence to bid and invest once again. And, and, and as a result, I mean, we saw, we saw a record median price for the November breeding stock sale here just a few weeks ago. So uh, we're, we're all hoping that that will that that positive atmosphere will continue here into this new year. As you said, we kicking off we're kicking off 2022 here, which is crazy to think about. And there really were some fireworks in September and November. Of course, the November sale uh, really kind of piggybacking off the Breeders' Cup, and you see some big names in there that we've been able to follow throughout uh, in the stakes. Will you reflect back a little bit on those sales and maybe some of the highlights as we lead into the next year and kick things off once again? And absolutely. Uh, the September yearling sale, I think the thing that stood out to me was that uh, the September sale here was so strong from start to finish. Uh, it was remarkable, in particular, the, the low buyback rate. That's, mm -hmm. that's often, you know, it's great. It's fun to see horses sell for seven digits. It's great to see those sale toppers and session toppers but overall, you know, we're, we're just as concerned about what happens to the folks in book four, book five, book six. And it was especially gratifying to see that, that most of those horses found homes, new homes as well. That the strength from top to bottom, start to finish in September was remarkable. Then, mm -hmm. then you look at uh, the November sale and it seemed like that that momentum continued and you never know for sure. I mean, it's a different crowd. You've got people here buying yearlings in September that wanna go racing. And in November, you've got folks that are buying breeding stock, that are buying broodmares and broodmare prospects and, and weanlings to, in many cases, to try to pinhook and resell down the road. So it, it is a different dynamic. It's a different buyer's colony. But, but the momentum did continue. And uh, I think that probably, you know, you look back at Paris Lights. Here's a good example. Mm -hmm. Paris Lights is a mare that topped the November sale here for $3.1 million dollars. 
And uh, we had a consigner come in today that's representing a, a mayor that was runner up to her, runner up to Paris Lights last year by a neck. And, mm. and he smiled. He said, you know, he said, this, this mayor that we've got only lost by a neck to a mayor that ended up bringing over $3 million yeah. here in November. We, we'd kind of like you to point that out. This is a pretty good company. So, so I love that kind of marketing approach. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, so exciting. And, and I think that's one of the beauties of that, too, is getting a chance to see those types of horses go through the, the ring. And, and as you said, sometimes in racing, it really is a game of inches, too. Um, but very exciting. And as we mentioned, some big names coming up here in January as well. What are some of the things that you most look forward to with this January sale in particular? I, I think it's, it's interesting how folks look at it. Uh, and I think that a lot of people will say that Generally, the January sale is really the wrap up from the prior year's sale season. I mean, we, you know, we look at the calendar and you turn the calendar over and it's a whole new year. But I think a lot of the, the folks in the industry look at mm -hmm. this almost as an extension as, as what was happening just, you know, two or three months ago in, in the sales arena. So from that regard, I'm optimistic that because the sales were so strong last fall, that, that that carries over into this sale and kind of puts the exclamation point, so to speak, on, on what was transpiring here just a few weeks or a couple of months ago. With that said, Acacia, I'll tell you the other thing that I'm excited about. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously biased because I work for Keeneland and I have for many years, but uh, there's a lot of excitement actually uh, about the uh, looking down the road when we, as we start moving deeper into the racing season and we get toward the spring meet here at Keeneland, the, the purse structure has been revamped. Uh, it's yeah. been enhanced considerably. A lot of, uh, in some cases, record purses for April for certain stakes races. Other races like the Toyota Bluegrass have been restored back to the million dollar level. So, so this is very exciting to see happen. And, and look, you, you might look at a January sale when it's cold and there's ice and there's snow on the ground <laughs> and say, who the heck's already thinking about springtime? But, uh, <laughs> but, but there is a lot of excitement about what the year might hold ahead. Yeah, and of course, you as well, the track announcer at Keeneland, so you have the opportunity to see those horses go through, and I'm sure this is a question you get frequently, but but it has to be enjoyable for you to be able to, to maybe be on the stand or, or be there in the ring when a certain horse goes through, and then you get a chance to see them race at Keeneland as well. It, it really is. Uh, I always tell folks that one of the first examples that always comes to mind for me is, uh, is good magic. He mm -hmm. was a, uh, a million dollar September yearling and then ended up coming back to Keeneland to win our signature race, the, the Toyota Bluegrass. I was on the stand uh, for him. I was fortunate enough to be on the stand for Monomoy Girl when she mm -hmm. sold here as, as a yearling and of course went on to be a champion. Uh, was, was on the stand when, when Justify sold here as a yearling. And, 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 and it is fun. It's, uh, I, I actually keep a database on my laptop every Very single cool. day, every session. When I get off the stand, I will, I will make a note and I will go enter it into my laptop, the hip numbers for which I was on the stand. You know, one of them I've got to go check, Acacia. I had somebody remind me regarding the January sale. Somebody pointed out to me, they said, you know, practical joke who made a pretty darn nice horse and is making a nice young yeah. sire, he, he sold here as, as a yearling in, in January of his yearling year. So I, I'm going to have to dig out my notes and see if I was on the stand for him. I hope I was. It's just, it's just kind of fun. It's kind of a fun bragging rights thing. No, it absolutely is. And as you mentioned, he had his 
first two-year-olds on the ground this year, which have been spectacular. You have plenty of short yearlings by practical joke in the sale as well. In fact, very early, even hip three, as I'm just looking at the catalog now by practical joke. And uh, I think that that's always an exciting piece of it as well with some of these short yearlings. We've gotten a chance to see the stallions, the newer stallions represented with some of the weanling sales already. But now as they start to develop, you get a chance to really see which stallions are going to be most intriguing, I think, at this point of the year. And, and that's a great point. And you, you mentioned the practical joke uh, filly that's uh, consigned early in the sale. Uh, she's actually going to be the first. She's hip number three. Mm -hmm. She's actually going to be the first hip number in the ring because hip numbers one and two have both been withdrawn. But, you know, it, it's going to be a great way to start. I mean, as you said, practical joke is establishing himself as a terrific young sire after that first crop of two year olds last year. And this filly is a half sister to a millionaire and, and a grade mm -hmm. one winner. Uh, and, and it's and I enjoy that. You know, chances are when we open up with that Philly, uh, probably one of the things that I will say right off the bat is I will take a moment and remind everyone, hey, don't forget, folks, practical joke himself came through this very ring through this very sale. And it is fun to see those things come full circle. You know, I got an interesting question on social media in regards to, to some things that I cover on my show, and it was how is a sales book put together? And maybe you could shed a little bit of light on that because you mentioned the different different sessions, different books that we have. And obviously, uh, you look at a Keeneland September book one, those are going to be those kind of high level horses. But here you look through and you see alphabetically and not always starting with A. So can you shed a little light for people who may not know as to how a sales book is drawn up? Absolutely. I, I know that the, the folks in the front office who sit down and come up with the, uh, the formula to, to lay it all out and put it all together, I, th that is above my pay grade, and I'm glad <laughs> it is because I, I would not want that headache. I mean, it, it's a challenge, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a subjective process. There is objectivity, uh, especially with, uh, with the yearling sale. You, you know, the, the, we have an inspection team for September that goes to farms and as you referenced, they'll go look at the individuals, make notes on the confirmation, make notes on the pedigree and add that all together and, and kind of decide who lands where uh, in the placing and the sale. A, a sale like the January Horses of All Ages sale is a little bit different. And I can give you a good example. You mentioned the, the alphabetizing process mm -hmm. and it's really more of an emphasis for a sale of this nature on you know, a, like a blind draw by random draw, pull, pull out a letter basically from a hat and say, okay, this is the letter for which we're starting with for this year's sale. And for example, uh, book one, session one, uh, the first dam start with the letter Y, and then it rolls over. We go to the start of the alphabet after that with the letter A and, and so on and go right on in chronological order. Uh, with, with that said, I, I think one of the fun parts about a sale like the January sale, with, with the greater emphasis on the alphabetizing process and the way the sale is laid out, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, we've got two books, book one and book two, two sessions in each book. But I know that right now, a lot of the, a lot of the talk around the grounds has been about hip number 492, a mare by the name of Coca-Cola. And James Keough is representing that mare. Well, that's a mare who's, she's the dam of search results. A lot of race fans will remember search results won the grade one acorn last year. This mare is back in full. She's carrying a full sibling to search results, but she's nearly 500 hip numbers into the sale. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as they all just got 16 or 1700 horses total catalog. So I think that adds an extra element of intrigue to it when we, when we come here this time of year. Yeah, I think you sometimes hear um, maybe consigners or, or owners, breeders saying, oh, you know, we're so late in the sale or we're so late in this particular session where you think people maybe lose interest. But you mentioned some of those pedigrees or maybe a standout physical. And I think kind of the alphabetical arrangement does help to maybe feel like there's some preferential treatment, perhaps, or kind of takes that tension of being really early or really late in a session away. I, I would agree. And I learned a lesson a few years ago. I grew up in a standard bred family and, and my father, who's gone now, he, he, he and I went round and round about this and in a good natured way a few years ago because uh, I, I had a standard bred yearling that I had bred and I, I had put it in my dad's yearling sale. And, and uh, the way the catalog fell, I, my yearling was about three hip numbers from the end. And I, oh. I, I, told, I told my dad, I said, man, you're, you're killing me here with this uh, placement <laughs> in the catalog. And, and he told me, he said, look, he said, I think the sale's going to be strong. And he said, I think what you might find is if folks are getting shut out throughout the day and they're not getting horses bought, they're going to hang around. They're going to mm. be there at the end because they're going to want to take something home before the sale wraps up. And that's exactly what happened. That particular filly ended up selling better for me because she was late in the day than she would have if she was early. And I, I, I think it's, it's just incredible how these, these dynamics and the psychology of an auction can affect the way the day unfolds like that. No, absolutely. And I think it's a great point of what you said, because I think maybe some people save their finances for a horse they really want. They don't get that one. They're willing to go a little bit more for a horse that's a little <laughs> bit later on in the book to, to make sure they bring something home. Absolutely. And, and, I, and that's, the, you know, that's the great part about it. I tell you, what, one of the things that, that always amazes me, I, I, the, the folks that we have on our staff at Keeneland, who spend the year recruiting buyers, making mm -hmm. sure that we've got what they, the front office often calls it a deep buyer's bench and making sure that, you know, they, they spend a lot of time, they travel a lot of miles. Uh, folks uh, like, like Chip Begay, he is a good example from our front office and, and uh, Mark Morande and uh, Dean and Kyle and down the line. I mean, these, these are folks that spend a lot of time once that, you know, before the catalogs even put together, they're out there getting people alerted and getting them recruited to make sure they're here to bid and to buy. And, and I, that's one of the things that fascinates me. I mean, you know, Acacia, if we're going to be totally frank about this and totally honest, the, the, there's nobody out there that quote unquote needs a horse. I mean, it's not <laughs> like that, you know, we're not selling a commodity. It's not like fuel to put in your car or something right. like that. And yet there are always folks that are willing to come and invest in the game. And that's just amazing. It's a wonderful thing to witness, to see that folks do want to be involved and they do want to invest in this game. It's, it's great to see. You mentioned at the start of our conversation, kind of the ease of, of travel. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, plays a little bit more internationally as well, because I know, especially in the September and, and November sales, you get a strong international uh, flair, so to speak, with a lot of agents from other countries coming to look at the horses that Keeneland offers. I'd imagine you're going to get that more in the fall. But have you seen that kind of carry over as we continue on with these sales with now people being able to come here? And I know online bidding still an option as well. That, that does open up a lot of options. Uh, you know, COVID forced practically everybody in every industry to, to rethink the way they did business. And 
online bidding was just something that uh, I don't think anybody had really given a lot of strong thought to in the horse business of any breed until COVID came along and we realized, okay, there's a lot of people that that won't be able to be on site to bid. So uh, while you never want to see a pandemic, uh, it's, it's, it's a positive thing nonetheless when folks can take a difficult situation and try to learn from it and, and try to grow coming out of the experience. And yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you, you think back, you're right, Keisha. Typically it's in the fall when you think about the, the international aspect uh, at the sales uh, here in Kentucky. But I, I think that uh, it seems like in recent years, We've seen more and more of these markets open up. We've seen more and more buyers from Central America, South America, mm -hmm. from Russia, from Korea, from Japan, and so forth, just all literally all over the planet. And there always is some residual effect from that. You will still see some international aspect, may not be as strong as we see at the end of the year, but it will, it will, be, it will be prevalent nonetheless. I've had the opportunity to speak to some of the new uh, members of the Keeneland team and Tony Lacey and Cormac Brannick and kind of hearing some of their visions for the team and for Keeneland moving forward. Um, and it, it's really been exciting to see and with Shannon Arvin at the helm and uh, talking about some of the the new the new things that are going to be in place, the, the overall ideas for what they want to bring to Keeneland, which obviously has so much history. How special is it for you to be part of that team and and a younger team that's really, I think, taking things in, in such a positive direction. That is very exciting. Uh, I started here as the track announcer back in the spring of 97 and started helping at the sales. I, uh, September of 2000 was when I actually did a, an audition for, for the sale crew here. So it goes back a lot of years. And I know that one of there, there, as you get older, and I'm 52 now, it, you start thinking about things that, that you didn't think about when you were younger. One of them, I, I told one of our auctioneers today, uh, we've been so fortunate in this business to have so many wonderful owners at every level of the game. And then you start fretting and worrying, well, who, who will the next generation of owners be? Who will be the next group of people that will show up and want to buy horses and invest in the game? And the auctioneer said, he said, I understand that. But he said, you know, that's probably a question that every generation has had. And because of the appeal and the allure of the sport, there, there always seems to be that next generation. Now, with, with regard to who is steering the ship with the management team at Keeneland, it has been interesting because there, there have been some changes made in place. I, I think arguably we, we now have maybe on average a younger group of front office executives than maybe we've ever had in Keeneland's history. Mm -hmm. we've, we've certainly in recent years have, have uh, added a number of young people to, to the marketing and promotion staff who have brought a fresh perspective to how we promote the race, the race meet and connect with the public in that regard. And with, with regard to our, our president, Shannon Arvin, first female president in Keeneland's history. And as somebody said to me when, when she was hired, she's hired because she's good and she knows the history of Keeneland. I think that's what's great. I mean, Shannon's family roots go back decades here at Keeneland. Her late father was a trustee. And Keeneland means so much to Shannon on a personal level. It comes naturally to her to be an ambassador for Keeneland as well as president because she grew up here, because she's got so many fond memories of times with her parents and with her family here. And, and with Cormac and Tony, you mentioned Cormac Brannick, mm -hmm. who is our, uh, our director of sales, and Tony Lacey, our vice president of sales. They, they are two individuals who, what, what, I, what I enjoy about them you sit down to talk to them. 
they will engage in an open discussion. If you've mm -hmm. got ideas, they want to hear them. Doesn't mean they're always going to say, oh yeah, that's a great idea. We're going to put it in place today. But, but they want to hear what, what the sale crew has to say, what the consigners, what the buyers have to say, what the folks back at the barns have to say. And I think that's, that just bodes well for, not only for Keeneland, but I think overall for, for the industry as we get more and more of that attitude going forward. I couldn't agree more. Like I said, got a chance to have both of those uh, gentlemen on the show and, and really, really enjoyed having a chance to speak to them and, and hear some of their visions as well in the future. Looking very, very bright as we kick off the sales season really uh, in general here in the United States with the January sale coming up this week. And Kurt, I can't say thank you enough for taking the time to give us a little preview and, um, and share some wonderful stories as always. Best of luck and here's to a wonderful sales week. Acacia, I appreciate it. It's always fun to be on with you. And uh, I, I can still remember the first time I met you a number of years <laughs> ago on the backstretch at Churchill Downs. Yeah. It has, I, I always feel uh, like almost like a, a secondary sense of parental pride in a way as I've watched your career unfold and, 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 to, and to see how you have blossomed as a broadcaster. It's great, it's, it's great to have you in the industry and it's always fun to catch up. I always enjoy the chance to trade a few thoughts with you and hope to do it again soon. I couldn't agree more. Thanks a lot, Kurt. It, it means a lot and uh, it really has been a, a wild journey, but I'm really, really grateful and getting a chance to kind of talk about this side of the industry with this podcast has been fun too. And uh, I will, I'm sure, be calling you again uh, to be another repeat guest on the In the Ring because it's always it's always fun to to hear all of your knowledge and, and talk a little bit more about the sales with you. Thanks a lot, Kurt. Thanks, Acacia. We'll talk soon. And that'll do it for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. I really appreciate you listening as always. Um, and as always, please feel free to share this podcast. Send me any questions or ideas that you may have uh, as far as the sales, breeding, pedigree, up for all of it. And Happy New Year, by the way, to everybody too. We're really kicking off 2022. I think we really talked about that um, with the start of the sales season here in the U.S. at least, kicking things off with the Keeneland January sales. So still plenty to come. Looking forward to recapping the sale a little bit afterwards um, and looking forward to following along with all the big results. So as always, Big thanks to our friends at Keeneland, and it's time for the Keeneland Roundup. Keeneland's January Horses of All Ages sale begins now on Tuesday, January 11th, after being delayed a day due to the weather in Kentucky late last week. The sale consists of four sessions, which start at 10 a.m. daily. Keeneland released its strong spring meat steak schedule last week as well, which includes a record 7.7 million in steaks purses. Among the highlights to the schedule are a $1 million purse with the Toyota Bluegrass and the shift of the Central Bank Ashland to opening day, and that's valued at a record $600,000. The spring meet takes place April 8th to 29th and cannot wait for that as always. Big thank you to everybody involved and to my guests today. We'll see you next time on In the Ring with Acacia Courtney.